And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello. Uh, coming up in just a second, show two on week one of the new season of Pot on the Tyne. But we recorded the show on Thursday afternoon, just after lunch, blissfully unaware that as soon as we packed up our microphones, a deal would be announced for Tino Livramento. This is always the case, George. What is going on with the universe? Why us? We're going to have to go a, a rolling news podcast, twenty four hours a day, just constant. The, we did, you know, we like we did. We've gone to two shows a week to make sure this doesn't happen, and then of course in the first fucking week we're doing it, still it's happens. Happen, it's happened again. So here we yeah. are. To be fair, later on in the show we do talk about Livermento being next cab off the rank and all the rest of it. Yeah, but yeah, after sort of pretty exhaustive. Um, discussions with Southampton, Newcastle are now very close to signing him. It's about forty million quid, which is uh, we're told is about what Southampton. Yeah, it's about what Southampton have been asking for. They've been talking since June. One of the complicating factors, not only uh, in terms of what Southampton wanted, is that Southampton will have to pay Chelsea a big chunk of a sell-on fee. So that is part of it. Um, but yeah, we'd heard that he wasn't going to be involved in Southampton's pre-season friendly tonight as we're, as we're talking. So yeah, it's exciting. I know we'll come on to talk about our slight confusion about where he fits into things. But on the face of it, Newcastle have signed a very, very talented young player, 20 years old, really regarded highly within football, was showing a huge amount of promise before he suffered uh, a really bad ACL injury uh, in April last year. He only played a couple of times for Southampton last season, and Newcastle have have moved for him. So yeah, that's senior signing number three on the way. He's a homegrown player as well, isn't he, George? So that's helpful. Yes, he's England under twenty one international, so that certainly helps Newcastle squad in terms of Premier League and and Champions League and all the rest of it. But as you say, a big a big chunk of money. Lovely stuff. Right then, that's the latest on Tino Livramento. If we've signed anyone else in the three minutes it's taken to record this, we'll talk about that on Monday. Uh, in the meantime, please enjoy Thursday's Pod on the Time. Cheers. Hello, I'm Taylor Payne. This is Pod on the Tyne, episode two of the week and two of the new season. Plenty to get stuck into over the next 40 minutes or so. Newcastle's ticketing issues, the development of the defence and part two of George's transatlantic trip. But first, I've got two lovely chaps here with me. George Colgan, welcome back. Thank you very much. Second of the week. It's, um, yeah, this is new ground for all of us. New territory. There's a bright new dawn. There's not many things I manage twice a week these days, George, but this is one of those things. 
Absolutely, yeah, well played. Yeah, and Chris Woff is here as well. How the devil are you, Chris? You all right? Yeah, I'm just wondering if we can keep this up all season. Is intensity our identity? Can we do this twice a week all season? You know, it's going to be a long slog. That sentence tailed off in quite a (laughs) dramatic fashion, didn't it? If if intensity is our... (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. It absolutely is not our identity, is it, Chris? Let's be honest. No. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to get through today, but quickly, just before we do that, I wanted to have a quick reminder about our live show that we're all very excited about. Join us live in Newcastle at the Gosforth, Gosforth Civic Theatre. I find that a right mouthful to say, the Gosforth Civic Theatre, on October the 12th for an unforgettable night. Tickets are selling fast at the moment. If you go onto the Gosforth Civic Theatre website, you can find the link on there to buy tickets. Uh, and also, apparently Chris and Lord of your family's bought tickets, is that right? Yeah, they're all coming to confront George. Actually, no, they're not coming to confront him. They're coming to congratulate him and shake his hand and tell him to do more of his uh, abuse towards me. Chris Woff, pork is my identity. (laughs) That took me two minutes to come up with that, but I'm quite pleased. Quite pleased with that. (laughs) It absolutely is. Uh, Also, George, I want to address these rumours that you're sticking a grand behind the bar. Is that right? No, no. I'm not sticking a (laughs) grand. Is that right? This... No, this is this is this is apparently is a bit of a tradition at kind of Newcastle fan related uh, talking events because there was a okay. there was a Newcastle United Supporters Trust do with Alan Shearer and Steve Harper last year was it or this year I can't, I can't remember all the days are merging into one <laughs> and um, we of course raised all that money Newcastle fans raised all that incredible money it was part of the eighteen ninety two pledge scheme. And anyway, it was a great night, and Alan's foundation got a big chunk of money. And to say thank you to the people there, Alan said, a grand behind the bar, I'm buying a drink for everybody. So everybody rushed to the bar. Ah, Alan Shearer, number one. Yeah, fantastic. What a fucking man Shearer is. Shearer, get in. Alan Shearer's bought me a drink. Alan Shearer, oh, what a man, what a man. And at the end of the night, one of the um, serving crew come back and said, yeah, Alan, I'm afraid we don't take uh, American Express Platinum (laughs) cards. And so Muggins here had to pay for it. Alan Shearer, legend, bullshit. He's gone up in my estimations for that. that He did pay me back. He did pay me back. He did pay me back. Okay, well, let's see if that happens again then uh, on at the live show. That should be fun. Uh, right then, chaps, tickets, please. We're going to start with the recent shenanigans with the club's membership scheme and ticket ballot. Uh, the club's management, Chris, from the ownership down, have barely put a foot wrong after the last 18 months or so, but it's fair to say this is a slight misstep, a bit of a misjudgment. It was, and before we get into the sort of minutiae of it, the, really this is a, a topic which I think is very difficult. I'm not sure there is a sort of perfect solution which everyone will be happy about with ticketing because of the demand there are there is for people to get back into the stadium or get into the stadium full stop, both for home and away tickets, whatever sort of uh, way they try and reform the system. I think someone will feel they're going to miss out or aren't going to get the opportunity they necessarily wanted. So the the ballot system now from the membership or the, the initial approach that the club put out the other day was basically that for the Villa game, the first home game of the season, you could go on and the tickets range between £44 and £74, but you basically applied for a ticket, had no idea how much it was that it was going to cost and it was automatically going to take that cost from. So you may only have £44 in your bank account and you may then have picked a £74... You may have opted for in for it, get a £74 ticket, and automatically the money comes away. The club have listened to those concerns, and they have changed it, so now you can... There's no longer that random element to it. You can select 
where you want to have a ticket within the ground, a price bracket yeah. within. It's still an imperfect system, as I say. I don't know if there could be a perfect system. But yeah, this was a misstep. Quickly corrected to a large degree, but there still is a lot of contention, I think, around it. It was quite a frosty reaction to it, George, wasn't there, from fans, especially on social media. A lot of people were uh, were unhappy about this. Yeah, and um, you know the supporters' trust immediately contacted the club. There was dialogue going on behind the scenes. They released a they released a kind of statement about it. I think the you know the not not wishing to be kind of rah rah about the club. I think the good thing is is that they acknowledged their mistake very quickly yeah, and they responded to it very quickly and they ch- and they changed tack and that's you know that's important. Um, it's also impressive. They, you know, they listened to what their own support supporters were saying and responded to it. Um, as Chris says, I'm not sure that there's a right solution to this because, I mean, the, the other factor to consider is also that the whole ticketing situation is a total shit show, where you can have people in the stadium on the season tickets that um, paying far more than the people who sit next to them. That's a legacy of all the different schemes that were going on during the Ashley era. And so, try. I mean, you know, trying to sort of, trying to minimise that, trying to sort of level the playing field, trying to give everybody a fair chance of getting into the stadium is very difficult. It's also important. I mean, I think this, I think a ballot system is probably more fair in the sense that it does give everybody a chance. But yeah, it, it can't be, you know, you don't want it to be a situation where people are, uh, are priced out that would be the worst the worst possible scenario there's huge demand for tickets but you know it's a, it's a, yeah it's an unsolvable dilemma really uh, chris you mentioned that sort of random element of the ticket assignments the sort of process and they've changed that obviously allowing fans to choose the price band that they want to be in but is 44 pound 74 pound for a premier league ticket or an, an aston villa game it's not a what you would call a marquee fixture is it um, is it still simply too expensive? I mean, it's a, it, the, the cheapest price is a jump up in, in price quite a lot from what it was last year. It is. I mean, I think it's a wider point about the Premier League in general. I think probably is becoming a, a lot more expensive and, and partly that's to do with demand and if the demand is there and if people will pay it, then football clubs, associations, other sporting organisations will, will charge it. I do think it, it seems expensive to me, but equally... I also see that the club want to bring in revenue wherever they can. They can demand that if necessary. So, yes, I think it does seem expensive, but equally, if they are going to still sell out St. James's Park doing it, and if if relative to other Premier League clubs, I don't think it's absolutely extortionate relative to other Premier League clubs. It's not as if Newcastle have gone gone wild with it, and they are now obviously a Champions League club. Yeah. So that has changed in that sense, but it does it does seem in a, in a cost-of-living crisis that this would be a, a sort of... A, a, a huge expense for people to take out on. I think you've also got, I suppose, the issue that, that, that another thing that's come out this week is um, to do with, well, the last couple of weeks is to do with season tickets. And now it's basically digital first season tickets. So people have to, they also can only change the use of that or the person who uses it 10 times a season, which I know has brought a lot of contention because you have a lot of people who go to the ground who share tickets between family, friends and the like. And I know that it's always been in the small print that if you move it on to someone else, that's meant to go through official club channels. But I do think that creates some sort of issues. I do. I realise it's partly to do with ticket touting and things like that, but I don't think that's been ideal. And also, some people who don't have smartphones. I mean, there is a provision, I believe, that you can get not just the digital ticket, but I do think that that, that, that has created a few issues as well. So these reforms, I think there's teething problems with them, and hopefully just over time, like they've learned with the, the 
the random element to the previous ballots that hopefully these things change over time. And George, don't read into this, and the reason why I've gone to you for this in any, in any way, shape or form, but is there a chance that the older fans who come to St James's Park <laughs> might not, and the people who are not as au fait with technology, uh, might not be able to deal with this uh, process and might have might have problems with it? Yeah, I mean, none taken at all, Taylor. Um, <laughs> um, I, personally, I'm 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 going to use my um, Sinclair ZX Spectrum to to get into the ground, and I hope that works. If failing that, I'll be bringing an abacus, and I think I'll touch that against the uh, the entrance. I'm sure that'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, no, I mean, as Chris said, I think there will be I think there will be a safety net for older fans. It kind of makes sense in the, you know, I've just been to America. Those tickets that I got were for, for over there. Uh, when I sat in the in the stand with my brother, that was all electronic tickets. I went to a baseball game over, over there. That was all electronic yeah. tickets. It is the way forward. It does make touting more difficult. I think that's a big consideration. And I think there's going to be a level of, and I think that's the idea behind this thing of not passing your ticket on too much. It's not going to be flagged if you're, passing it to the same person each time or some of the time, half the time, it would be flagged if you were passing them on to a lot of different people over the course of the season because I think that would suggest that, you know, that tickets are being sold on and they're trying they're trying to uh, guard against that. Um, so as long, yeah, as long as there are those safety nets, as long as everything's explained, um, I think it's fine. And again, to go back to the first point I made, the... The positive thing is that having made a misstep, the the club quickly rectified it. And you know, if they continue to listen as kind of as much and as quickly as they did on this, then I think things will be okay. Fingers crossed. Uh, with a bit of happier news as well, the fan park expected at the Gallagher end uh, and the Strawberry Place area as well is expected uh, at some point this season. What can you tell us about that, Chris? Yes, yeah, so it's going to be for for any of those who are who live in Newcastle, there'd be listeners who don't, but there was something, there used to be a place called Stack in central Newcastle opposite Tyneside Cinema, which was basically a set of repurposed shipping containers and it had various different eating outlets, a lot of them local outlets, drinking outlets that had a singing. I believe you sang there, Taylor, is that correct? Many, many times, yes. I was there one night and I looked down in the middle of a song and Paul Dummett was stood not 10 feet in front of me uh, and he just went like that, put his thumb up, and I was expecting him to slide and tackle me out off the stage, but he didn't. He just just put his thumb up. It was, it was a lovely moment. Seal of approval. Yeah, yeah ultimate seal thumbs of up from Paul Dummett. Well, anyway, that was only ever meant to be temporary because they are b- building in that area now. But the, what is going to happen, at least for initially for the fan zone, is they're going to basically recreate stack. It is a it's a brand. There are other ones. There's one in Sunderland. There's a lot of there is in the northeast, which is going to be there. So it's going to have a bar. It's going to have a stage, big screen, so you can watch. The game, if you can't get into the ground, obviously people can go before and after. And so that's going to be on, on the site of, of Strawberry Place, just next to uh, the metro station. It's obviously um, longer term. Who knows what will happen on that site? I know a lot of excitement about potential expansion and the likes, but certainly in the short term, that is going to be the fan zone, which has been promised. So that's that should be exciting to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sort of interested and excited about this. I mean, I've always thought that you know, one of the things that the club could and should do that football ground shouldn't do is 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 showcase local products, show, showcase local talent Absolutely. Um, inside the stadium. You know, having again, just having been to America, and I'll I will stop banging on about this in a in a few months. <laughs> you know, you go to the stadiums over there, and the 
food and drink that they offer to fans is extraordinary in terms of the choice that you get. Again, I mean, the, the the stadium in New Jersey, for example, free refills on all on all drinks throughout the match once you've paid once. In all the other grounds, the choice that you can have of stuff to eat. And I know that's not why we're going to the to the to the stadium, but at the same time, it shouldn't just have to be the same shitty you know, hot dog and 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 fizzy drink and that's basically all you can get. Why not? You know, if the club is a beacon, if the stadium is a beacon, why can't you have it showcasing the absolute best of the region? And Stack was incredibly well thought of, very popular when it was there in the middle of Newcastle. And I just love that as a as a as a as a sort of concept that the club can embrace and yeah, actually have a have a fun time. If you're not going, choosing not to go to the pub, but you want to be around the stadium and around the ground, then you know have a have a choice of things to do which you might actually enjoy. I think it's interesting as well because a lot of people that I know who go to the games, they go up on the metro, they go in on the bus, and then they go to their regular pub or their regular bar that they go to. They don't necessarily engage with the club or with the football ground until right before kickoff. And then they head up and they go in and then they go in, go straight to their seat and then the match starts. It's interesting that the club is getting people to engage with the club again. Like early, you could be there two, three hours before the game, having a drink, having a, having a bite to eat and stuff like that. And you're involved with the club rather than going off and sitting in a yeah, pub somewhere, and- you know? And certainly don't want to see pubs go go without business because Definitely obviously not. a huge part a huge part of their of their income would come around a Saturday and a match day. But I think there's a way that you know yeah as you say attracting more people into the city centre uh, a, a longer time before kickoff could benefit everybody. You see at a club like Man- Manchester City, for example, they're using the space around their stadium to do fan zones where they have food and drink outlets. They have space for music they have place to interview players the difference of course there is that it's in the middle of nowhere yeah. so they, there isn't that sort of competition with with pubs but you know i think you know i think it can be a bit of both it's like yeah go go to the fan zone a couple of hours before kickoff have something to eat listen to some music for example then go to the pub as you normally would do and the the whole city center becomes livelier and more vibrant on a saturday and by Kickoff time, we're all fucking tanked up and ready to go. <laughs> Absolutely, can't argue with that. Uh, right, let's have a cheeky break, chaps, and we'll be back in just a minute to talk about the squad transfers and all that jazz. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey. 
Right the Chaps, more transfer and squad chat. We talked about uh, Tonali Barnes and Alan St. Maximin on Monday, and it looks like we're in decent shape going forward, if you know what I mean. Uh, but what about that back line? Harrison Ashby, Chris, looks like the deal is pretty close to him going to Swansea. Uh, Kieran Trippier returned to training before everyone else. And Emil Kraft is that you got to get back uh, in Howe's party. The right back area looks fine, doesn't it? But the rest of the defence, maybe not so much. Yeah, just to clarify on the Ashby one, that he's gone on loan, so that will be uh, he's still part of the. Obviously, he's gone, he's done well uh, in pre-season. We hadn't seen that much of him after he signed in January. He was a target last summer, and then that delayed until uh, the end of the January. Newcastle brought him in. He had a couple of injuries and was also always seen as someone for the future. And he's a player who has a lot of attributes similar to Kieran Trippier, but needs uh, a bit of game time. I mean. Right back, they do have quite a bit of depth in theory. They've got a few left backs as well, but actually that is an area which they would like to strengthen. Uh, they would like a, it, or that was certainly the plan if, if before the start of the window anyway was the, to bring in someone who's more of an out and out left back. Dan Byrne has done extremely well there, but obviously yeah. he's a, he's a he would class himself as a centre back by trade who's been excellent at left back. They have Matt Target as well who has done well since he's been at Newcastle, but. Really, centre back, I think, is where the depth is maybe lacking a little bit. If 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 Botman or Cher was to get injured, obviously you'd have Burn who could come inside, but then you'd be leaving yourself a little bit short left back, and also you would lose a little bit of the the sort of balance that you had last year with those two there. And ideally, at the start of the window again, they wanted a right sided centre back. I think that's proven to be a very expensive area of the team to try and strengthen. That's part of the reason why they haven't as of yet. Jamal Lascelles remains club captain and played in pre-season. Also played a very uncharacteristic Jamal Lascelles through ball for one of the goals as well. Very good pass if anyone has seen it. Cher-esque, wasn't yeah, it? Exactly, it was yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think centre-back is probably where you'd look at and see if they could ideally bring someone in. That would probably be the area you'd like them to. Maybe someone who's a bit more of a footballer than Lascelles, somebody can bring in that sort of option. But I wouldn't say they're really short there. They have similar to what they had last season. But yeah, it would be nice to have a little bit more strength and depth in that position. There's been a lot of chat, George, around Tino Liveramento from Southampton as well. Highly linked to potential that he could play right back or left back. Uh, what does that mean for the likes of Matt Target and Paul Dummett? Are they likely to see many minutes? And of course, Jamal Lewis has now gone off to uh, gone off to Watford as well. Yeah, I mean, Liveramento is definitely the next cab off the rank in terms of who they've been negotiating with. And they've been doing that for a long time now. Southampton are not proving easy uh, club to negotiate yeah. with they're insisting that their valuation is met and it's a high valuation it's interesting it takes us back to the start of the window when we were sort of told that Newcastle would be looking at relegated clubs for for players you know that felt like it might be a, um, a sort of an issue to do with value I would argue that Harvey Barnes from Leicester isn't particularly about value when you consider he cost 38 million quid. Same sort of situation with Liveramento. I guess the difference is is that those clubs at some point need to sell. And so Newcastle are feeling that they can take advantage of that. Liveramento, that is ongoing. We keep, you know, we've heard he's uh, perhaps not in their latest team or latest squad for their match. I would expect that to continue. I have to admit I'm confused about this because on the face of it, it's not where Newcastle need to strengthen. We all know how good Kieran Trippier is and, and was last season. Yes, he's, what, 32 now, but he was the best right-back in the Premier League last season. There'll be more games this season. He probably can't play all of them. But Livramento, albeit you know he's been out for a long time with injury, is 
very, very highly rated. And the way that I'm sort of justifying this in my own head is that it's about sort of being opportunistic and Newcastle trying to get a really, really high calibre player who could replace Trippier in due course. Mm. I don't know if Chris has more insight into that than me because, I, yeah, if it was me, I'd be looking at centre-half possibly with a bit of pace as a priority, other areas of the pitch. That's the thing that I haven't been able to quite get my head around about Livramento, but it is genuine and they have been pushing very, very hard for him. Can I just ask you as well, could could we see Kieran Trippier play at left-back? Because he has played at left-back before for England and, and, and at other times in his career. Could it be that if Livramento came in and started uh, really well, we could see the two of them playing together? I can't answer that question definitively because obviously he isn't a Newcastle player yet, but that is an option. I mean, Q and Trippier has played there at international level, so it, it, it is an option to potentially do that. But I know that how he likes the balance that he's got at the moment with Dan Byrne at left-back. The thing with Livermento and with right-back in general, or full-back in general, is that full-backs have always been fundamental to the way how players, the way at Bournemouth, and often at least one of his full-backs has the majority of the touches on the pitch for his side, and, and Q and Trippier is that for Newcastle. And potentially, I think with Livermento, it's because if, if say, something did happen to Kieran Trippier, they're very fortunate he didn't really suffer a serious injury last season. But obviously, they did, didn't have him most of the, the first six months that, that he signed for. And if you lose Kieran Trippier, you lose something significant at right back. And maybe it's to, 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 to add additional cover there. Someone who can get on the ball a lot can provide uh, that, that key attacking position as it is for Newcastle from right back. So I think that's part of it to do Livermento as well. But also to have that flexibility of, yeah, potentially Trippier could play left back potentially Livermento and just give greater depth in a position which seems like they've got depth but maybe exactly what how ideally wants certainly at Champions League level maybe Livermento brings a bit more of that I can't quite make sense of Livermento being the next signing in terms of a decent chunk of money because I, I don't think that that would be the priority for me but uh, you know if I argue against myself how has talked about wanting two 11s of equal strength I mean I think that's going to be very very difficult to 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 complete this summer with all the constraints on ffp and all the rest of it but you know he would certainly be you know absolutely um absolutely quality cover it there and yeah i mean there is flexibility all over the team let's not forget that whether you're talking about someone like isaac and attack who can go wide if necessary when you're talking about a lot of the other midfield or attacking players who can fill in in a variety of positions how loves that flexibility and that might be what we're looking at here but yes, I I wouldn't have thought. I mean, if you'd asked me what the what the priority is for the summer, I'd have probably had a right back very near the bottom of the of my own list, which probably shows what I know. It's a fair play. Uh, as far as departures goes, Chris Carl Darlow has gone to Leeds. Uh, Loris Carries has had his contract extended as well. The goalkeepers that we have, will they be the goalkeepers going forward? Uh, that's the plan, but I wouldn't say definitively because I do think with Martin Dubravka there is still the possibility, although he says he's happy and although Eddie Howe would love to keep him, I think if a tempting offer came in for him and he was had the opportunity to go and be number one somewhere else, there is still a chance he would go. So that would be the, the caveat I would apply to that, but at the moment, the plan is that, that it's still going to be Pope, who's obviously missed the start of pre-season after having uh, an operation to prevent his finger, which kept dislocating last season, to prevent that from continuing. So he didn't—he's still not fully up to speed, although he did play towards the back end of the US tour. Then Martin Dubravka. And you've also got Mark Gillespie who extended his contract. He probably won't make the Premier League squad if the again as he didn't second yeah. off last season if 
Martin Dubravka stays, but I think that the, the fact that he has a new contract, A, because he's a Jordan who seemed to be good behind the scenes, experienced someone who uh, knows the club, but also I think there maybe is that little bit of a sort of uh, just covering their tracks in case an offer does come in for Martin Dubravka. Good stuff. Some nice memories of Carl Dolo and his time at Newcastle as well. The mad as fuck recovery save against Doncaster in the championship and the double penalty saves at Nottingham Forest as well. Uh, he had his moments, didn't he, George? He was a good a good all-rounder, Carl Dolo. Yes, has been... Yeah, God, when did, him, when did he and Lascelles arrive, Chris? I mean, they've been around they for a long time. They signed in 2014, but then they went back on loan yeah. for a year. That's so right, yeah, Forest. Yeah, yeah. so been around for a long time. Yeah, very good lad and very good keeper as well. And I don't think... Uh, I'm, I'm sure all Newcastle fans would uh, wish him wish him great success at Leeds. Absolutely all the best, Carl. Uh, right then, get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Pod to sign up for The Athletic and pay just one ninety nine a month for 12 months. We'll be back just a tick. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So as we approach the last weekend of pre-season, just time to catch up on part two of George's trip to the States. Grab your ticket and your suitcase. Thunder's rolling down this track. Welcome to New Jersey for Newcastle's third and final match in this Premier League summer series. It's incredibly hot at the Red Bull Arena. I have lost three stone in weight over the last week simply from standing still. I'm very excited. I'm not particularly excited about the match. It's a pre-season friendly, forgive me. But I'm incredibly excited because my little brother AJ is here complete with porn star moustache. And he's flown all the way over from Portland, Oregon. I've spoken to a lot of people over here who have their own stories about how they discovered Newcastle or how Newcastle discovered them. I don't need to ask AJ that because we have that in common. It was our dad, Gordon. Um, but AJ, I mean, you're from Oregon. What, do, do Newcastle have a presence in the States yet? And what do you think it is? Yeah, uh, Newcastle does have a presence. It's amazing. Uh, just the cities that have hosted these matches have their own Toon Army extension, whether it's Philadelphia or 
New Jersey, where I'm from, it's obviously Portland. So there are fan bases. They're relatively small, but they're growing. And I think uh, with the excitement uh, of last season and, and the potential for the upcoming season, it's just going to continue to grow. And a lot of these fans, as George has mentioned maybe earlier on another podcast, um, uh, it's, it's these fans that even though they're American-born and maybe they've never even been over to England, they're very loyal and they're deep. They just have a deep passion for the team, kind of that underdog spirit that, that is part of Newcastle and being a Newcastle fan. So. Peter Gaynor from Verona, New Jersey. Thank you, Peter. Tell me about your relationship with Newcastle. And I should say that we're at the tailgate ahead of Newcastle's final match of their U.S. tour. So I started coaching uh, soccer, as we call it, in 2005, and the coach and I decided we had to pick a club, and I did research. I'm originally from Philly and a big Philly sports fan, self-loathing, and I did... (laughs) Welcome, Welcome to the Newcastle family. And I did a bunch of research, and I honestly felt like... Sorry, my son is talking to me. Um, um, Say hi, Skylar. Hi. Um, I honestly felt like Newcastle found me, and they were relegated two years later, and I just was so blown away by the culture, the history, the history of the club, the history of the, the region, and here we are 17 years later. And so I actually met you on the plane from Atlanta yesterday i mean so you've you were at that game right in atlanta yes and so you're following around how what does it mean to you to have have newcastle over here and for you to be able to go and watch their game i honestly felt like i was struck by lightning (laughs) In, in the best of ways i was like this can't be real the season they had last year and it's, it's, hold on a second, buddy. It's okay, it's okay. Um, so, um, and so we were always planning on coming to this match because we're 20 minutes away. But my wife and children allowed me to, on a whim, fly down to Atlanta. Amazing. So. Amazing. And so, what does it mean? I mean, talk a little bit, maybe, about what what has happened over the last 18 months or so, and what it means. What it means to you? Uh, it's been surreal. Um, there's something about. The transition that has also felt authentically Newcastle, from my understanding, and I'm not from there, but just my understanding as a a fan. Closing in on the final whistle. Anderson trying to get away. Can he make the most of it? Oh, yes, he can. You just see his speed and his strength, how he just holds off turns, and then he just has the presence of mind to find the bottom corner as well. Wonderful I said this train dreams will not be thwarted this train faith will be rewarded on this train and Newcastle end the summer series on a winning note unbeaten two draws and now a victory for Eddie Howe's team Elliot Anderson's double ensures Newcastle win by two goals to one the big wheels roll through fields where sunlight streams. I guess the stadium is, it's not quite half full, I don't think. I think it's maybe more like a third full. It's not as busy as the other stadiums we've seen so far. It has been a brilliant trip in terms of that connection with people. What are you most looking forward to this season, though? I'm looking forward to some hardware in the trophy case. I think that is... um, 
that's my number one priority. I think finishing in the top four last season was incredible. I'm a bit of a cynic maybe, and I don't know if it's realistic to say that would happen again. If we're in the top six, I, I still think that would be an amazing feat uh, based on our history, but some hardware. I think it's time to, to put a trophy in the case. Ooh, we love a bit of that. Love a bit of that. All right, over and out from New Jersey. Oh, meet me in a land of hope and dreams. Meet me in a land of hope and dreams. Oh, that was lovely listening to that, George. Lovely stuff. Yeah, what a treat. I um so I I, I watched uh, watched that last match with uh, with AJ and then after about 70 minutes, went round to the press area and was able to sort of do the interviews and and so on as usual. But yeah, what a great, what a great treat and um, lush. Yeah, and again, you know, just uh, chatting to so many passionate, interesting uh, Newcastle fans over there. Um, that was that was absolutely the the highlight for me. And um, yeah, I mean, just blown away, and blown away by the number of people who listen to the pod as well. I mean, should 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 say that. So that was uh, that was very very humbling. One of the things that struck me listening to that was the the kind of shared experience between fans, even though they are separated by continents and thousands of miles. The same Geordie cynicism is still there. The same values, the same thoughts towards the club and the history and all of that. Even though these some of these people have never been to a game at St. James's Park, haven't even been to England, uh, they've watched from afar for years. But we're all still essentially following the same thing and we're all the same, aren't we, basically? The masochist football club. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I found that lovely. Yeah. A little uh, message on Twitter from Neil Gibson as well. He said, amazing the amount of American fans at the tailgate uh, on Paul on the Tyne that talk more sense and are more grounded than a lot of the fans <laughs> we hear on NUFC Twitter. Uh, I'll not pass comment on that, but I understand the point he's trying to make. Um, right. Uh, Anthony Gordon, Chris, he had a fantastic summer uh, with England and it'll be fascinating to see what happens with him this season. He looked properly sharp, didn't he, in America? He did, and uh, yeah. So with with England, for those who haven't been following it, I suppose he won the uh, European Under Twenty Ones. With England, played a vital role. Was named Player of the Tournament as well. Scored a couple of goals. Played in a slightly unfamiliar position in terms of why he'd necessarily associate Anthony Gordon with being. He was sort of basically a second striker, almost playing down through the middle. And he admitted himself as he was out there that it wasn't really a position. He played too often. He's played as a lone strike almost as a few times for Everton, yeah. but basically he was playing off a, a, another forward and did really, really well. Really enjoyed running in behind, created havoc, looked very sharp in front of goal, which is not something I think you could have said towards the second half of last season when he after he'd signed for Newcastle. But he, he's spoken about how he's taken it's taken him time to understand exactly what Eddie Howe wants, the systems, the structures. The, the physical output that is needed, the fitness that is necessary to play in this Newcastle side has taken him time to adapt to that. But he's now acclimatised to that. He went to the US, did look very, very sharp again, looked far more... I think it, there was a clarity in the way that he played, which I don't think he necessarily saw during the second half of last season. I think he was sort of... He did look like a player who'd come in mid-season and didn't quite know exactly what was expected of him. But... 
I know that within Newcastle they are really they rate him very, very highly. There's still a rawness to his game, but I think they expect after the summer that he's had that, that, that there is an expectation that he can have a very, very good season for Newcastle this year. He's just like a new signing. <laughs> now I don't want people to sigh um, and roll their eyes when they hear that because we heard hard not to too much of that over the years. But I genuinely do feel like this with Anthony Gordon. It's worth remembering that the idea, the original idea, was to sign him this summer. Yeah. And that that was brought forward because of Everton's financial situation. In January, Newcastle pushed to get it done. Now, you go back to the end of last season, Dan Byrne said exactly what Chris has just said. He felt sorry for Gordon because he came into the into an Eddie Howe team in the middle of the season. And what is an Eddie Howe? team all about. It's about everybody knowing exactly what their role is, exactly what they're supposed to be doing, exactly what their teammates are supposed to be doing. They know what their identity is. They know what is demanded of them tactically. And Gordon looked lost when he came in. And that I don't think that's a, you know, I don't think that's a criticism of him. He talked about how difficult he found he found it to fit in. Well now He's had the time over the summer. He's got his confidence back after playing so well for England's under-21s. And I'm really excited about seeing what he can do in this team. He's so direct. He is so quick. He's got a great threat. And um, I think we'll see the real the real Gordon go, go, going forward. It's taken a bit of time. Funnily enough, Dan also said the set, something similar about uh, Sandro Tonali. Now, admittedly, he has come in um over the summer but if you're watching those pre-season games in America and thinking um he's playing within himself or you know he's you know it's not he's he's not kind of massively imposing himself well he's still coming very much coming to terms with what's going to be demanded of him over the next few months and years so yeah it takes time for players to get to grips with what how demands of them but once they do just watch them fly I think the interesting thing about Gordon and what we saw at the Euros as well was the potential for flexibility up front for Newcastle as well that he could that you have alternative options there. We've seen Alexander Isak play a left wing as well as through the middle as well as as a number ten. Gordon could play in theory either flank, could play a bit through the middle if you change to four two three one, could be the number ten there as well. You have all these options with Harvey Barnes having come in, and then you have the central strikers and Callum Wilson, and you've got Joel Linton who can play out wide. Newcastle have a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of versatility and, and the ability to, to switch systems if they need to, or at least switch the point of attack, which in all of the competitions they're going to have this season, it is going to be vital. And just a second point on Anthony Gordon, seeing as he isn't on here, I'm not going to give Jacob Whitehead uh, any sort of credit for keep telling us that there was a talent within Anthony Gordon that he is going to come through. I mean, as of yet, he still is sort of unproven, but I just wanted to, to, to not give Jacob credit, to, seeing as he is still in Australia. Um, covering the Women's World Cup, to be fair, he isn't on holiday, but, you know, practically is on holiday. Fair enough, Chris. Another big bonus from the US tour, George, was Elliot Anderson's form and the assured performances from Lewis Miley as well. Great news in lots of ways for those two young local lads. Absolutely. Yeah, Elliot Anderson, I think, was the player of the tournament from a Newcastle perspective. And again, just really, really exciting to see him. He has spoken about this coming season being absolutely massive for him, and I, I agree with that. You know, he's been out on loan, he's come back and been sort of on the fringes of things and been involved, and I'm sure he feels that now's the time for him to impose himself. That is not going to be easy. He's coming into a Champions League team. He's coming into a team that is in the 
you know, top four in the Premier League was last season. And that is uh, that is a tough prospect. But he has looked equipped for it in the summer. He has got something that very few players have. He's got that sort of muscular upper body that allows him to get past people at the same time as having, you know, brilliant footwork. And he's he's looked effective. I mean, I think that's the thing that you want to see from your attacking players, that they can use what they've got and produce from it. I mean, we've just seen some Max Man go, and the criticism of, of him was that for all the talent he had, we didn't see an end product often enough. Well, Anderson has suggested in pre-season that that end product will be there. Very, very exciting, and yeah, I hope he can do that. Lewis Miley, I mean, my goodness, I mean, what a talent he looks. Sky's the limit for that lad, isn't it? Well, he's, he's 17, and at the moment, absolutely. You know, if he carries on with the same trajectory then incredibly exciting he's I mean he looks like a three-year-old he's got the face of a three-year-old he's got the body of a man he's tall he's statuesque he's incredible on the ball and then for him to kind of come on on that in that final game Howe said afterwards that you know he brought him on and that allowed him to put Matt Ritchie out wide and that settled the team down I mean again this guy's 17 and for a 17 year old to come to come on and settle the team down is is just extraordinary so it's great testament to Newcastle's academy I think what's happening there is is sort of on the quieter end of the revolution they're not uh, making a great big song and dance of it but Brilliant to see Anderson come through. Lewis Miley is the next one. And yeah, incredibly, incredibly exciting. Absolutely. Right. Newcastle have got a few uh, more pre-season games, Chris, before we wrap things up. Uh, the Seeler, Seller, Seeler Cup? Seller Cup. Oh, the Scott Sellers Cup. Uh, is <laughs> That would be better. That would be better, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would absolutely be better. Uh, it's coming up this weekend, the 5th and 6th of August. Um, nice, Villarreal, Fiorentina. Uh, heading to Newcastle uh, and Newcastle United women are going to take on West Bromwich Albion as well. We're going to have a chat with uh, about them a little bit more next week. Interesting one, this Chris. Quite a high-profile event, quite a high-profile tournament. The sponsor slapping the name on it. Uh, it should be a good weekend, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm always sort of reluctant to say that these are high-profile events in the sense that it basically is. It, it, it's a glorified preseason couple of matches. That's what it is. Good it's, teams, it's, though, Chris. They are, no, good they, are, teams. they are. They we're are not good play, teams. But we're not it, playing fucking York at Booth and Crescent, <laughs> are we? Do you know what I mean? These are good These are good teams. Booth and Crescent doesn't exist anymore, does it? Uh, it did the last time we played them. It didn't. The last time we played them was at the new ground because I was there covering it. So that was... <laughs> oh, right. Great. Sorry. Good facts. <laughs> Even worse than me at facts. But, I mean, last year Newcastle did something similar, although it wasn't a, a sort of cup competition, and basically the, the, the other teams didn't play one another. Newcastle played back-to-back friendlies on the eve of the season last year, where Howe essentially played almost two different 11s to try and get them physically ready. Yeah. I think we'll see something similar this weekend, uh, very different sides. And basically, last year it seemed to be a sort of maybe the, the first-choice back five in terms of a goalkeeper and back four that he was going to start, and then more of an attacking unit together. Whether we see that this weekend, whether it's a bit more of a change it'd be wonderful for supporters to get in and to experience that to see the women's match as well if they're going on on that day i know that that there's 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 various matches on on both days and yeah i think i think it's it's exactly what they need on the eve of the season how said he, he expects to see 
his team perform how he wants them to after what he admitted was an ideal preparation in terms of for the matches when he was in the US because they had to train a lot before the games. He said for this one, the preparation will have been right and he needs players to come out and show that they deserve to be in the, the team for the first weekend of the season. And what I'm most looking forward to is the fact that George again has to sit through another two back-to-back uh, friendlies. So yeah. yeah, thank you for that. But as Howe said in America, I mean... Less time on the training pitch. The balance for that is that this has been a very, very high-profile summer in terms of friendly. So after the gate said it was Rangers, and after Rangers it was the three Premier League teams in the States, now Fiorentina, and then Villarreal. And the phrase that Howe's used is fast start. The hope is that Newcastle can get a fast start in the Premier League, and that may very well be important considering that their start is so tough. So I think that's the idea, that Newcastle absolutely hit the ground running on the 12th of August against Villa with this very high-profile suite of games behind them. Absolutely, and uh, not to blow my own trumpet, but I'll be doing a little gig at the Geordie Star on the 6th, just after the Newcastle game, post-match entertainment. Uh, so if anybody's out in the town, pop in and say hello. I shall be blowing my own trumpet. <laughs> All right, just a little just, just a little plug. A little plug there. there. Yeah. Uh, and that's it thanks very much chaps it's been a good episode it's been nice to speak to you again it's been a second episode I already feel like I'm running out of words <laughs> nice to uh, nice to hear the baby didn't scream the house down this time Chris during the uh, recording oh, I think he was quite upset downstairs I think he got hungry at one stage but uh, but he's he's staying away from George so uh, yeah he, d- he didn't want to listen to him now. by the way if I can just go back to our live show which is going to be at Gosforth uh, God, that is difficult to isn't say. It, isn't it? Isn't it just... Gosforth Civic Theatre on October the 12th. We are already at 60% capacity for that gig, which is uh, which is incredible after only a couple of days of ticket sales. So Selling please... like hot cakes, George, aren't they? Yeah, why would, you want a hot, why would you want a no hot cake? No idea. Never ever before, never have bought we? a cake and said, can you heat that up for us, please? Not once. No, why would you want a hot cake? Is it not a specific type of cake? Is it not like a pancake thing? Do you have to buy them quickly because they burn your hand? I thought it was because they're selling fast. I thought that's what it was. Well, if you know why why it's important to to sell like hotcakes, please at Pod on the Tine on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's called these days. <laughs> anyway, stuff. buy tickets. Yes, buy lots of tickets. Right then, chaps, we'll be back next week on Monday for another episode uh, if you want to get in touch give us a shout at pod on the time at theathletic.com and we will try and get through your emails we will try and read as many of those out as we can please get in touch we'll speak to you next week from everyone at pod on the time thanks a lot for listening take care goodbye As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.